Hi, everybody. I'm Praying Medic. Welcome to Supernatural Saturday for Saturday, April 8th. For those of you who are new to the broadcast, uh, welcome to my live stream. Uh, I do a live stream here on Telegram on the second Saturday of every month at 1 p.m. Eastern. And uh, we talk about all kinds of supernatural subjects. Uh, lately, I've been doing question and answer uh, sessions. Um, because, well, people seem to like them a lot. So we're going to do another question and answer session today. Uh, the questions can be anything. It's an ask me anything. If you want to talk, you know, have questions about God or healing or the supernatural, that's fine. If you want to ask a question about current events, politics, um, ham radio, anything that I have some knowledge of, uh, that's all fair game. Whatever you want to talk about, uh, we can talk about. Um, but yeah, I can ask you a question. I'm, uh, been praying for you, bro uh, brother, and, uh, appreciate glad it. that you're with us. Hey, uh, tell me, kind of give us your take on the Trump indictment and all that. I haven't been too much on chat. I've been working a lot, but, uh, okay. uh, kind of give us your take and your feeling on it. Okay. Uh, I'm happy to address that. So, um, I had felt for a while that Trump was going to be indicted. I think there are more indictments coming, actually. Um, I know that there are people in our community who don't did not believe Trump was going to be indicted, and they think that this is all some kind of uh, political theater, that it's, it's not serious. Um, I, I disagree with them, respectfully. I think this is serious. I think there are a lot of corrupt people in... Uh, positions in law enforcement, locally, district attorneys, and federally at the FBI and DOJ. I think there's a lot of corrupt people who are going to do anything they can to smear President Trump going into the 2024 election to try to try him in the court of public opinion. I don't think that these people care so much about whether they get a conviction in court. What they want to do is create an opportunity for the mainstream media, the mockingbirds, to talk about 
the and insinuate that President Trump is a criminal and therefore he's disqualified from running as president. In fact, he is not disqualified from running uh, for president if he is convicted of any crimes. Um, according to the Constitution, there are only three um, things that qualify a person to be a uh, candidate for president. Number one, you have to be 35 years old. Number two, you have to be uh, a U.S. citizen. And number three, you cannot have fought in the Civil War on the side of the Confederates. <laughs> that was actually a provision that they put in after the Civil War. So Trump did not fight in the Civil War on the part of the Confederacy. He is older than 35 and he is a U.S. citizen. Those are the only qualifications. Um, as Alan Dershowitz has pointed out, President Trump could be convicted. <clears throat> um, he could be convicted of multiple felonies. He could be incarcerated in prison and he could still serve as president. So the mainstream media is going to try to create this narrative that Trump is disqualified. He can't run. He needs to step down. He needs to you know, let somebody else take over. They're going to push DeSantis uh, pretty hard, and they have been. Uh, I suspect that the, gen, uh, the special counsel, who is Jack Smith, I guess his name is, who is investigating President Trump, I'm sure that he's going to come up with at least obstruction of justice charges against the president and probably some other things. Uh, it's possible that a in Georgia, he may be charged with some kind of crimes. I, I think more indictments are coming against President Trump. They are in a panic. They're an all-out uh, press to try to keep President Trump from uh, being legitimized as the 2024 candidate. Hang on a second. It wouldn't be a live stream if somebody didn't start messaging me on my phone. Uh, every time I go live, someone starts messaging me because they don't realize I'm live. Uh, so that's that's my take on the indictments. Uh, I think there's very little chance he's going to be convicted of these uh, indictments in New York unless they get a very biased jury, and that's that's highly possible. They could get a hate Trump jury that just goes along with everything and they uh, vote uh, uh, guilty and he's uh, and he could be convicted. Uh, but again, uh, look, we're entering the storm and things are going to get very interesting and very, I think things are going to get very difficult as the time moves forward because the deep state is desperate to remove Trump. Uh, in his speeches, he has been, uh, warning the deep state, he is going to obliterate them. He is going to neuter the intelligence community. He is going to um, take back the power that they have, and he's going to give it back to the people. And those people, uh, the only thing that they want is power. That's all they care about. And they will do anything to prevent that from being taken away from them. So I think it's going to get very serious in the not too distant future. And that's all I have to say about that. Uh, Karen Ann. Karen Ann, if you can unmute yourself, uh, what is on your mind? Hi, how are you? Doing good. Question. I am relatively new Christian. And um, when I read the Bible, do you read with commentaries? Because, excuse me, so many commentaries are against, like, 
the gifts of the spirit or um, God's will to heal. How, like when you start reading the Bible, do you, how do you interpret it yourself or do you use commentaries? <laughs> That's a really good question. Uh, all right. Let me address that. So when I was a new Christian, I read a lot of commentaries. Uh, I was reading the Bible. I was listening to Pastor Chuck Smith and Chuck Lind and a lot of Calvary Chapel pastors who just taught the Bible straight through. But, you know, there is no such thing as just straight through Bible teaching. Everyone comments on the scriptures when they teach on them. I, I provide my own commentary. When I was a new believer, um, I got uh, uh, the copy, uh, the volume, five volume set of Sp Charles Spurgeon's sermons. Right. Thick books is like five of them in a series. Got them all. And uh, I started reading through Spurgeon's um, sermons and his commentaries on the scriptures. Um, I read I really love J.C. Ryle's commentary on the Gospels. J.C. Ryle is a uh, I think he's a 19th century theologian. Really great guy. Beautiful devotional writer. Uh, he wrote a commentary on. The Gospels, the four Gospels, it's four books. That really helped me get a, get a, a better understanding of um, the cultural context of what Jesus was writing about at the time, or not writing about, what he was, the, the messages he was teaching, what, what the Gospel authors were writing about, uh, historical context. And I, I found them beneficial. Now, I, I find some commentaries beneficial. However, some commentaries um, are damaging. Like if you're reading a commentary that uh, is against the gifts of the spirit, it is comes from a perspective that healing is not for today. A lot of uh, Bible commentators do not believe that healing and miracles are for today. They believe that it ceased 2000 years ago. Well, if you are on my Telegram channel, you see testimonies every day of people being healed. Um, I believe healing is for today. I believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Uh, we're in a better covenant than the old covenant. Uh, we have better promises. We have a better priest. Uh, so commentaries are kind of a mixed bag. If you get good commentaries, they're great. If you get bad commentaries, you'll get, go down the wrong road. I uh, strongly recommend getting connected to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in your devotion uh, as you're reading through the scriptures ask questions of god you'll hear his responses as usually as thought impressions in your mind and if you need help with that uh, i wrote a book called hearing god's voice made simple which will help you learn how to hear the voice of god all right uh let's see ramsey ramsey you have your hand up what is on your mind Hi, Dave. Can you hey, hear Ramsey. Me? Yes. I had to write this down, so uh, I apologize if I sound like a robot. But uh, just <laughs> before, okay. I ask, before I ask, um, I'm not looking for a super educated answer. Uh, just tell me what's on your heart. But uh, I've noticed some consistencies of posts between yourself, Q Stradamus, and Pepe Lives Matter, and some others about the Book of Revelation. You all seem to have a different opinion than the church about certain prophecies and the end times and such. And you've gone as okay. far as saying that uh, none of the dozen major views of the future are in agreement with how the future will play out and how that there are gaping holes in theories. 
and that they ignore key passages in Scripture. In my humble opinion, the church has done a lousy job of informing us of the prophecies of Revelation because it's sown much fear in, in its followers. And my question to you is this. Is the enemy attempting to manifest some of these outcomes by having God's people focus on the fear? Wow, that's a good question. That is a really good question. Uh, I'm, I'm going to answer that uh, to the best of my ability, and it might be a little bit longer than usual answer. All right. So, yes, there is a lot of similarity between me, Pepe Lives Matter, Kustradamus, and, and other people in our community. There's actually a lot of people who have what I would call an optimistic view of the future. Uh, and I wouldn't say that it is at odds with the view of the future that the church holds, because um, there is great diversity in views of the future, biblical views of the future in the church, that there isn't just one dominant view. There is a dominant view in certain uh, denominations within the church. Some denominations hold a futurist view. A lot of, uh, like, I guess, uh, Baptist denominations tend to be uh, pre-trib, uh, premillennial. Uh, that's their view. And then there's there's a historicist view, and there's there's different views of the, of the future that are biblical, and they, they've been you know fleshed out in all the kinds of books over the years. Um, I used to be a my view used to be premillennial. Over the last few years, God has been challenging uh, me to reevaluate that view of the future, and I've I've kind of shifted away from the premillennial view, which basically is the idea that we're going to go through the tribulation, there's going to be wars and famine and pestilence and, and destruction, and the earth will be almost destroyed, and that uh, most of the premillennialists believe that the faithful church is going to be raptured, removed from the earth, the rest of the, uh, of the earth, the population is going to go through uh, tribulation, Antichrist will come on the scene, all of those um, issues. I used to believe that that was our future. And uh, like I said, lately I've been I'm shifting my views. Last couple of years, um, there's just been a gradual transition away and God has been showing me um, a more positive future. Uh, and uh, so to make things even more complicated, I, I've said, and I've been saying for a while, because of what God is showing me and some of my friends through dreams, uh, I think we're going to go through a time of difficulty, all right? A time of tribulation. I, d I wouldn't call it the, the great tribulation. I think we're going to go through a time of difficulty. Look, we're, we're sitting on the edge of World War III. I think the war in Ukraine is probably at some point going to uh, become, uh, it, it probably already is, but it's going to become a, a very involved, very difficult war. Uh, it'll be World War III. It'll involve most of Europe, uh, many countries in Asia, and the United States, and whoever else decides to jump in. Um, I, I think that is an almost inevitability right now. Yes, we should be praying against war. I pray against war every day. But I think that that is the powers that should not be. They want World War III. That's what their end game is. They need to have a third world war. And they're doing everything in their power to make sure it happens. 
now we've got Taiwan and China uh, kind of ramping up. So if Ukraine wasn't bad enough, we've got China and Taiwan. Guarantee you that uh, people in Washington are going to want to go to war against China uh, as China um, assumes control over another part of China because Taiwan is part of China. According to the U.S., U.S. government recognizes a one China uh, policy. We, we officially have a one China policy. The United States government recognizes that Taiwan is part of China. Unofficially, uh, the U.S. government also um, endorses the freedom of, <laughs> the, of Taiwan and its democratic rule, but, but that's unofficial. Officially, our policy is we recognize Taiwan as part of China. So we're going to get into this muddy, very difficult situation where China is going to try to uh, assume more control over part of its own country, Taiwan. And the United States, although it has a, like I said, a one, one China policy, we're going to get involved in a war where, and it's very similar to Ukraine. For many years, Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. Uh, most of the people in Ukraine are ethnic Russians. Uh, Russia is now trying to get back part of a country that used to be part of it. China is trying to assume more pressure or, and more control over Taiwan, which was part of China. And we're going to get, I think, involved in two of these uh, wars in the not too distant future. It's going to get ugly. And so, you know, we've got, I think we're going to have an economic collapse coming. We're going to have de uh, devaluation of the dollar. We're going to have hyperinflation. Probably going to have food shortages. Gasoline prices are going to be insanely expensive. I think we're going to end up having internet blackouts. We're going to have cell phone service disruptions. Um, Life is going to get very difficult for a lot of people, for, for pretty much everybody. Uh, I, I don't think that that is, uh, constitutes the, the great tribulation that a lot of people talk about. I think it's just a, a time of difficulty that we're going to have to get through. It's going to last for a while. And then on the other side of it, it'll be great. I think President Trump is going to come back. I think he is going to repeg the dollar. Uh, probably have a gold-backed dollar. He'll rebuild the stock market. He'll rebuild the infrastructure. He will make peace with China and Russia like he has in the past. I think the difficulties that we have coming are going to be short-lived, but they're but they're going to be they're going to be pretty severe, uh, I think. Uh, and and so a lot of people who think about the Great Tribulation and, and all that. Uh, as and they tie that to the book of Revelation. Um, they see that as a, depending on how you view it, either a seven-year, the seven-year Great Tribulation, the three years, three-and-a-half-year period, the second half of it being the most severe. I don't see that scenario playing out. Uh, you know, I could be wrong. But I think we're going to go through some difficulty in the next year. Uh, and I think Trump and the military are going to come in and they're going to uh, make it right after Biden and the Democrats have done a, their work of trying to destroy the country. So there you go, <laughs> a long answer, but that's my answer. All right, uh, Jamie, God and country. Jamie, you have your hand up. Uh, you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Hi, Dave. 
I'm glad to hey, see Jane. they are doing so well. I've been praying. I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Okay. So my question has to do with, I guess you would say, more paranormal. All of my life I've had um, messages, received messages, which were pretty straightforward, and I could figure them out on, on my own. But there's one that still kind of bothers me, and it's from 2012. My great-grandmother was um, in the process of dying, and my children and I were sitting in the living room watching TV. It was just dark in the room. We were watching it late at night, and my son noticed something in front of me. And my daughter turned and said, yeah, there's something there. When I turned to look in front of me, was a ball of like electric static blue energy. Okay. I stood up and as I stood up, this energy elongated and disappeared. And I don't know what it was or what it meant or anything. If you have any insight in that, um, I would appreciate it. <laughs> I've got nothing. Nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I do know people who have seen a blue sphere of light appear in their room. Uh, when I said I had, I got nothing. I, I can't tell you definitively what, what that was. I can tell you some stories. Um, I have a friend who had an experience. It was about that same time, 2012, 2011-ish. He woke up one morning to a blue sphere of light in his room. And the blue sphere of light spoke to him and said, I'll tell you the answers to any questions that you want to ask me. Mm. And he related this experience to uh, that it was a presence of God who came into his room and gave him an opportunity to ask him whatever questions he wanted. It was a question and answer session with God. Uh, so that is one experience similar to what you're talking about. Was that blue uh light that energy that you saw you know the holy spirit it might have been uh i don't know i don't really know okay thank All you right. you bet uh let's see who is the next victim uh oh no oh we're in trouble all right hang on to your uh skirts people lisa perna is on the live stream. Hey, Lisa, what's going on, sister? You can unmute yourself. Unmuting. Hey, Jade, how are you? Good. What's going on? Um, well, first of all, I'm glad that you're feeling better. You look fantastic. Thanks. You're very welcome. Okay, so I have a quick question. So can children, because I've been seeing this more and more, can children have demons? Because I've been getting phone calls and people who've been saying their kids have been acting extremely weird. Because I thought uh, they couldn't. I thought that they they had to have like a, a account of like like a time of accountability. But these are like three year olds. Yeah. That I had to I had to like get rid of something. Yep. Uh, that is a that's a good question. I, I will answer that. Actually. Uh, Heather, one of the admins for my channel, she shared a testimony uh, in, I think it's in the Dream Chat channel, where one of her little children, I think four years old, was acting up throwing temper tantrums 
on, on a pretty regular basis. And she noticed the behavior and she was like, you know, there's, I just feel like there's something like demonic about this. So uh, one evening she took the child aside, did some prayers for deliverance, <laughs> got cast out a demon and the temper tantrums dramatically reduced by about 90% immediately. So yeah, um, evil spirits can uh, influence children. It's pretty common. I'm sure that some children who have seizures, it's probably due to uh, evil spirits. Although um, there is, of course, an organic uh, ideology of seizures that is not demonic. And then there you have children who just have uh, febrile seizures. So they have a fever, they have an ear infection, they have a short you know, seizure for you know, two or three minutes. That's not demonic. But uh, as I've taught in other videos, a, any particular problem can have a physiological, an emotional, or a spiritual cause. You have to do sort of a differential diagnosis. Um, but yeah, short answer is children can have demons. Uh, all right, so let's see. Janice, Janice M, uh, if you can unmute yourself, what is on your mind? Hi there. Hey, Janice. Um, um, I had two really quick things. One is, can people be born with fear? Because I feel like my whole life, I came into the world afraid of doing things, afraid of everything, having anxiety. And then the other thing was, uh, the vitreous in my eye, one of my eyes has slipped. Um, I don't have great eyesight anyway, but a lot of floaters. And can the vitreous actually be healed and be able to see clear again? Uh, two questions. Uh, I will answer them both. Uh, sit tight. First, yes, the vitreous humor in your eye can be healed. Um, I know a lot of people who've been healed of things like floaters and other, you know, macular degeneration and uh, glaucoma. So I'm going to pray. For you, I'm going to command your eye to be healed. I command vitreous humor in Janice's eye to be healed. And anyone else who has problems with the vitreous or the aqueous humor in their eyes, I command it to be healed, restored right now. I release the healing power of heaven. Command vision to be normal. The other question, can you be born uh, with fear? Yes. Um, in... In the time that I've been doing this, I received quite a few testimonies from people who have memories of pre-birth trauma, right? So emotional trauma that's inflicted in utero. And that is a real thing. And it can infect you your entire life. Um, if you, you know, were born to a mother who suffered a lot of abuse while she was carrying you as a child, a lot of that abuse... And, and emotional trauma can be inflicted on the child in utero. And some people have had success in getting that healed, getting that you know, pre-birth emotional trauma healed. So yeah, it's, it's a thing. Uh, emotional healing I found is, is very helpful. Um, and if you haven't tried it, <clears throat> you definitely should try it. Uh, and talk to Jesus or the Holy Spirit, ask them, what is the root of this issue? When did it start? 
let them help you walk you through the process of healing whatever traumatic events are there and that anxiety and fear will probably dissipate all right uh jack you have your hand up jack if you can unmute yourself what is on your mind Sorry, I didn't realize that you picked me up there. You look good. I'm I'm glad you're doing well. Um, my question is, a friend of mine used to have premonitions uh, for quite a while, very spiritual. And then the events over the last few years, it has left him and it kind of drives him crazy because he was used to being able not tell in the future just knowing things about people and it's lost him left him and he's been trying to figure out how to get it back for about the last year and a half hmm that's an interesting question uh and not not actually an unusual situation uh so what what you didn't mention and and that's okay is what is the source of the of the revelation this person is receiving there could be several sources uh, a lot of people receive premonitions uh through uh, evil spirits a lot of people who uh practice you know tarot card reading and um other you know forms of mysticism um they a lot of them are actually receiving their information through evil spirits and uh if you're receiving your information through an evil spirit they're, they're not uh beholden they're not obligated to continue giving someone revelation uh, if they're not getting what they want from you they may just go find somebody else so if the source is an evil spirit uh the evil spirit may have just gone and found someone else to work their little magic through now if the source was the holy spirit spirit of god and this person was receiving words of wisdom words of knowledge prophetic revelation from from the holy spirit different story uh, <clears throat> in that case um, there is a uh, you know the parable of the talents and, and a lot of other parables that Jesus told he talked about stewardship where if God gives you something he expects you to steward that revelation that that uh, the resources the finances whatever it is that God gives you with its favor he wants you to steward it and he wants you to use it to bring increase if you don't what did jesus say he's going to take what you have and give it to someone else so if this person was receiving revelation from the holy spirit uh you can they can get it back by asking the holy spirit hey you know what <laughs> i i want to receive words of knowledge i want to receive words of wisdom i want to be able to prophesy to you know my community friends and family whatever it is that they they're doing um if you if the gift has sort of left you you can get it back by reactivating it and being faithful if it was you know from another source well they're probably better off without it all right uh god is rainbow <clears throat> god is rainbow if you can unmute yourself what is on your mind hi dave so glad that you're doing better praise god for that um, I just have a follow-up with uh, the stuff that I talked to you about last week. Um, my friend's mother, Linda. Yep. Um, there, uh, the one with altars? Yes, the one with multiple okay. altars. 
Um, there was um, some all night, you know, praying, talking, and there was breakthrough where um, there was like a release of, you know, several, you know, like demonic spirits. And when there was, when those were being gone because they were kind of manifesting, there was praying for the emotional healing. But then when that was, you know, going through the process of emotional healing, then the Linda was like, well, that didn't happen to me. I was over here. So it's like there was an altar speaking, you know, like she was deflecting. That didn't happen to me. I don't need healing. I was right. over here when that happened. Well, anyway, since then, um, uh, there was a lot uh, like heavier, stronger demons that manifested and they were very angry. They were threatening her life. She kept, they kept hitting her. Like she would take her hand and hit her face, her body. So, but of course it wasn't her. It was them. Anyway, it was getting very physical. It was getting dangerous. She was threatening to kill herself. She was threatening to kill the family that were there. So they felt that it was escalating into a more critical situation and they had to take her to the mental ward. So unfortunately she's in the mental ward now. And um, I kind of have a two part question. Number one, when you're going to be talking about the, or, or try to get to the emotional healing, do you do, do you have to do that with the main person first or if there is an altar, you know, like sh that showed up that time, do you do the emotional healing with the altar first? Or do you have to get to the main person first? And then okay. number two, um, one of the things that they have her put on is lithium. Now, the reason why I guess that she got very aggressive and some of the bigger demons manifested, they found out that she had not been taking her medication. She was tricking the family into thinking that she was taking her lithium medication, but she was not. So like for a whole week, she had not been taking it. Supposedly that's supposed to calm her down. I don't know. Is that dangerous? Uh, is, it, is it good for her to be taking that until she's completely healed? Because it seemed that when she did not take the lithium, that's what caused this uh, really anger stuff. Because she was tricking people. She didn't take her meds. Uh, okay, I'll answer those questions. Thank you. Okay, first of all, uh, it's a good idea to stay on your medications um, until your symptoms have resolved. Or until God tells you to go off the medications. <laughs> not a demon. But God, um, and that is a really difficult uh, issue to talk about. I'm not a medical practitioner. I'm not a physician. I'm not a psychiatrist. So I'm not in a position where I can uh, recommend, you know, what medications a person should or should not be taking. My, you know, as a former paramedic, my spiel was, look, you need to take your medications. If, because a lot of people have, um, they have well, a really good example is seizures. People who are on seizure medication uh, frequently will go off their medications because they think that they're healed. They haven't had a seizure in two or three months. 
they don't like the side effects from the medication. So they go off the medication on their own, and then they end up having seizures. And they end up in the hospital. Uh, they end up back on the medication. They'll be, stay on the medication for a while. They won't have seizures. They'll think, hey, I'm healed. They'll go off the medication. Boom, they start having seizures again. So that's kind of the uh, the, the paramedics <laughs> sing along if you know the words if you're in the, in the medical industry. We, we see that all the time. So non-compliance uh, non -compliance with medications is a problem. My recommendation is she should just stay on the lithium uh, until symptoms resolve and or her um, you know, uh, healthcare professional has figured out what's going on maybe prescribe a different medication, maybe take her off of them. All right, so that's the answer to one question. <clears throat> now, the other one. All right, so when you're doing emotional healing, uh, yeah, when demons get involved, it gets very frustrating and, and difficult. Uh, and dealing with different alters who, you know, will, will pop up and say, well, you know, not me, you know, uh, oh, you were doing emotional healing for someone else, but that not me. I, I wasn't there. That didn't happen to me, right? So, what you're what you want to do with emotional healing for people who have multiple altars is you're doing ministry to the altar, not to the individual, not to the core of their personality. When an altar comes up and is in control of that person, you want to address that altar by their name if you can, if you know what their name is, and you want to be compassionate and you want to be loving, and you need to kind of get in a, in a mode of discipleship and training because these altars are, uh, many of them are wounded children, and they need a loving parent-type person to disciple them, to tell them about God, tell them, you know, what Jesus can do for them. To you, you need to love them, you need to be merciful, compassionate, and understanding toward that altar when that altar is up. And that's the healing process. The healing process for the altars is to show them love, mercy, compassion, and teach them about God because they're tormented and they and they hear all these bad things about God from the demons. And we have to the demons create a narrative just like the mainstream media creates a false narrative, a false reality for normies to listen to and that brainwashes them and controls their, their behavior. Demons do the same thing to the altars. The demons are continually spreading false information and they have an agenda and they push that narrative and we need to come in and give the altars a counter narrative about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about what these de demonic beings are, about who they are, their identity, their destiny. Those are the things that we do. And that's the emotional healing process. You, when you, you go to one altar after another, probably a good idea to make a list of the altars and their names and their likes and dislikes and personalities, you know, write it all down. When an altar, a particular altar pops up and takes over control, you want to minister to that altar at that time. Uh, and that's that's the process. Um, all right. So, uh, really good questions, and thanks for the update. All right, uh, Maurizio, you have your hand up. Uh, if you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Good morning, David. Uh, first of all, I'm glad you are okay. Uh, Thank you. Yes, all our prayers for you uh, make you feel better. 
I'm a living witness of a, a cancer surviving thanks to your prayer, your healing. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, I have two um, main questions. The first first question, as you well know, uh, I think uh, most likely most of us, they come from very different path, very different spiritual journey. But for me, uh, specifically, raised and born in Italy, uh, Roman Catholic, uh, how do you reconcile with uh, the sacraments? The buttons, the marriage, the confession, reconciliations, and then the, I remember you 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 talking in another meeting. Uh, you were right. Uh, general speaking, the traditional church they don't um, really fully recognize the healing power. Uh, nevertheless, I have to tell you. Uh, I, I think you know the neocatechumenon, for instance, they. They're very heavy on the healing, they, they pray, they, they sing, and then they believe in the healing power. So that, that's the first question. Uh, and the other one, it's, it's more political. Uh, if I may, I live in Chandler, I've been witness uh, what's going on here with Kettle Lake, and besides our great President Trump, and I will never thought in a million years to be witness in an communist regime in the US. I come from Europe. I visit communist countries and they have no idea and I had no idea that we come at this point. What do you think is gonna happen for the lake, you know, uh, appeal and, and the court and all this uh, very, very critical race that we're still um, facing. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for the questions. Uh, yeah, you're a neighbor of mine. Uh, if you look at Chandler, um, I believe that Kerry Lake is going to prevail. That is what God has shown me. And God has shown a few other people that I know who are friends who had dreams where God <clears throat> showed us that uh, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be difficult. But I believe Kerry Lake is going to prevail. I think we'll probably have a new election uh, at some point, not using the current corrupt election system. That's that's my position. That's my feeling. That's what God has shown me. On the other issue, uh, so Catholicism and the sacraments. Uh, I was raised uh, Catholic. Um, my, my family is Catholic. Um, so I'm, I'm well aware of the sacraments and, and all of that. Um, I, <laughs> I walked away from all of that when I was 12 or 13 years old. Um, I... I just left. I told mom, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm done with this. This doesn't mean anything to me. It's, it's foolishness and it's hypocrisy. So I left and I lived as an atheist until I was 38. And then uh, I had an encounter with Jesus and I became a believer. And I, I lean more, a lot more toward the Protestant view of uh, God. Particularly, I have a kingdom view of God. God's kingdom is preeminent over everything. So uh, I, I don't um, worry too much about the sacraments per se. Uh, the, the Catholic Church has the sacraments, you know, marriage, confirmation, all those. To me, those are not biblical. I mean, marriage is marriage, but I don't think that it's, a, it's necessarily a sacrament at the way the Catholic Church views it. It has to be 
sanctioned and there has to be a ceremony and it has to be by someone who's ordained, you know, and all of that. I don't necessarily know that that's um, a biblical view. Similar, similar to confirmation, there's, there is no biblical basis for the sacrament of confirmation. Um, and so I, I don't worry too much about those things. Uh, I don't have to reconcile them for me. I know it's, it's an issue for people who are raised in a Catholic culture, but you know, there's a lot of things that are unbiblical that I just don't worry too much about. All right, there you go. Michael Murphy, uh, I'm going to let you ask a question if you can sing Wildfire for me. Uh, you can unmute yourself. What's on your mind? Michael Murphy, you don't really have to sing Wildfire if you don't want to. Uh, but you can ask a question. Uh, I don't think you want to hear that. <laughs> hey, I, I got three topics I want to talk to you about. <laughs> okay. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Okay. Um, first of all, thank you for praying for me. Um, my sleeping's gotten better, but I'm still taking a, a small sleeping pill, and I'm going to ask the Lord how to get off of that like you recommended earlier. So thank you for that. Um, okay. I spent 17 days in the hospital with COVID, and I think I think that's the the main cause of my sleeping problem. But um, I never I never took the shots, and I've been praying for people that have taken the shots. And this one lady in particular, uh, she was she was in our prayer group, and she was complaining of uh, her knee hurting, and I and I felt my spirit was like a blood clot. So I went up to her and afterwards and said, "Did you take the shots?" And she said, "Yes," and I said, "Well." I explained to her why it wasn't a good thing to take the shots and how I thought her pain in her knee was related. And I said, I'm sure the Lord will forgive you if you want to ask for forgiveness for taking, taking the shots and repent from it. So she did. She raised her hands up and prayed and asked the Lord to forgive her, but she still had a stroke. And um, I'm just asking you, how, what's the best way to pray for people that have taken the shots? Because I know the Lord will be ready to forgive them. So. Is, that, is that the only question that you have? Well, no, the other one is uh, I've been uh, reading your books and I've been asking for the for the Father to manifest his presence in my house, you know, manifest his presence of peace and rest. And uh, I woke up last night about 3.30 uh, and I heard this big crash downstairs. I didn't really care too much about it because I wanted to go back to sleep, but uh, my wife said that um, there was Brazil nuts all over the floor and the first thing I thought was mice. And, uh, but it was in a place where it's hard to get to. So, uh, what's the, and I went ahead and prayed for asked the Holy Spirit to remove any unclean spirits out of my house. But what's the best way to pray for getting rid of an, you know, an unwanted guest? Okay. That's it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you don't have to ask the Holy Spirit to remove the unwanted guests. You can do that yourself. Uh, in Luke 9 1, Jesus gave power. An authority to the disciples over demons and to uh, heal diseases. So we have, as his disciples, we have all the power, all the authority we need to cast out demons and to heal the sick. So you could, you should be commanding the demons to leave. And yeah, they will knock pictures off the wall. They'll knock mirrors off the wall. They'll knock over containers. Um, demons can manifest in the physical world, and they can do things like that. Um, that's just, 
That's spiritual warfare 101. You ask the Holy Spirit to bring his presence into your house, and he does. The demons are like, well, this is my house. Uh, I'm going to scare you a little bit, and I'm going to knock over a container of nuts. Uh, well, the demons are kind of nuts anyways. So, yeah, just exercise authority. Command them to leave. Do it again. When they come back, keep doing it. And eventually they'll go find someone else to harass. So that's the first answer to that question. And then how do you pray for people who have taken the vaccine? Uh, pray as you're led by the Holy Spirit. However the Holy Spirit leads you to pray. It's, there isn't really a formula for that. I mean, there's, there's concepts, there's principles. So if you believe that the person, uh, their immune system, for example, is suppressed because they've taken the vaccine, the vaccine kind of does a number on your immune system. Just pray for their immune system to be healed. Lord, I ask you to bring your presence upon that, this person, and I ask you to heal their immune system, heal their white blood cells, heal their lymphatic system. If you know about <laughs> parts of the body that are involved in, in the immune system, you can pray for those specific body parts. Uh, you know, the spleen and the bone marrow and other uh, parts of the body that are involved in the immune system. You can pray for that. You can pray for specific things, but you can just also, I always recommend, pray as you're led by the Holy Spirit. God will give you understanding about specific issues to pray for. All righty. Charles Wilson. Hi, Dave. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay. Uh, I have a, a quick praise report and hopefully an even a faster question. Um, All right. I, I, I've always had bad teeth, partially due to genetics, partially due to, like, you know, bad hygiene and bad diet. Um, you know, I have, like, uh, back in 2018, that was, like, the last time I had my teeth cleaned. Um, and I had, like, in 2019, a, a tooth broke. Um, and I had a crown put on. But I've been afraid to go back to the to the dentist because of the bad news and all that. Um, but uh, last month, um, my upper and lower uh, teeth just started throbbing for like two two or three weeks. And you know, one time it was on the left side, other time it was on the right side. Sometimes it was the top, sometimes it was the bottom. And I didn't know if I was like grinding my teeth at night or if it. But it it felt like because it kept moving that it was like I, I was being oppressed by a demon because this just came right out of the blue. Yep. So that I, sounds I demonic to me, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I did what you said. I, I, I exercised power and authority and I released the power of the Holy Spirit to heal my teeth. Um, and I, um, it was, it was slow going. So I took, uh, I took some ibuprofen, uh, over the span of about three or four days to help, you know, get a handle on it. And, and so I could actually sleep again. And the, um, and you know, it, it, it of course it, it went away. Um, after about like like I said about, about two to three weeks, it spurred me to go to the doctor or go back to the dentist. So the praise report is that the uh, my dentist took a look at my teeth. He was kind of amazed that there were like no problems whatsoever, nothing in the X-rays, no tartar buildup, wow. nothing. My my teeth were fine. So wow. I praise God for for you know for for, for that healing. Um, but my, my my question is, um, was I wrong or was it a a lack of faith to you know to take to take the ibuprofen? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, I do that. I, I, I'm a multi-mode uh, healer myself. I use a lot of DMSO uh, because I have, I'm, I'm developing uh, epicondylitis, <laughs> pain in my elbow uh, on the epicondyle, a little bit of tendonitis uh, on both my left and right elbows. And I pray over it. Uh, sometimes the pain goes away with prayer. 
Uh, it'll, it might come when it comes back. Um, sometimes I'll use DMSO. I like really, really like DMSO. It's a good anti-inflammatory. And sometimes I take ibuprofen. Uh, if I have lower back pain, if I'm doing a lot of work around outside, you know, up and down the ladder, that kind of stuff, carrying, lifting things, I get lower back pain. I'll take some ibuprofen and the pain goes away. <clears throat> so I, 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 I'm not going to be judgmental. Um, there are people, I think, who are probably a little bit overly religious who would say, you should never take ibuprofen, never take any medications. That just shows a lack of faith. Well, okay, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it does. But in a lot of cases, it works. You know? um, so that's, that's my, my thing. The only thing about ibuprofen I would say is don't take medications like ibuprofen and naproxen on a long-term basis and take a lot of them because it'll, it can cause kidney failure. Actually, the leading cause of new cases of kidney failure is long-term use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like naproxen and ibuprofen. Take it once in a while, that's great. If you're taking it every day, you've got a problem. You, you can put yourself in kidney failure doing that. So there you go. No, no. No, I, I never do, or do anything like that. I, I've been trying to. Yep. Mostly it's aspirin, but um, this time it just, you know. And, and hey, aspirin's right. good because it's a blood thinner and it might help you, you know, avoid strokes and, and heart attacks. So, you know. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate the, you're taking my call. Okay, brother. Thanks for, uh, for jumping in. T-H-I-J-S. You can unmute yourself. What's on your mind? Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Good. Hello, my name is Thais. I'm from the Netherlands. I have a Thais. quick question. I, hi, I have been following your work for the last few years, and it it it, it rings. Um, it, it it's exactly what I want, what I need. At the same time, I've been working with the spirit of iboga for the last eight years. It's an African spirit. It's a psychedelic plant, and it has given me a lot of insights, guidance, wisdom, healing on a very deep level. And I I kind of I love it, and I know in Africa they see it as a a way to directly communicate with God. How is what is your your view on it? Because I also uh, I consider myself uh, a recently converted Christian. Does it contradict the Christianity in your in your opinion? So, what is the uh, the plant that you're using? Iboga. Okay. Or, is it a psychedelic? It is a psychedelic plant. It's a, a root bark of a tree in Africa. Okay, uh, that's interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll answer that question. Uh, there, oh gosh, this is a <laughs> an interesting question. Um, there are a lot of people who use psychedelic uh, preparations, whether it's plants or you know lysergic diethylamide (LSD) or uh, ketamine is is another one to facilitate uh, an experience. A supernatural experience, I'll just say that. Um, actually, Denise has looked into uh, several different treatments um, for some of her conditions that she's got going on. And, and one of the common treatments is, is taking ketamine. Uh, ketamine often results in an out-of-body experience where you, you go out of your body and you meet God. And you talk about, you know, your issues and you get a different perspective on life and your issues and everything from this out-of-body experience. Um, it's actually very commonly, uh, it's common therapeutic in the, in the community 
where you know, people looking at mental health treatment. Right. So that's similar, probably similar to what you're talking about, this, this plant. Um, some people would say, absolutely not. Don't take any psychedelics. Don't take any medications. Don't take any plants. You don't need it. And I would say that, that there's some truth to that. You don't need to take those preparations to have an experience with God, but it doesn't mean that this, that's not to say that if you take the, you know, some kind of a preparation, it can't give you a legitimate experience with God many times that it does actually happen that way. So I'm not going to say that you should never do it. Uh, I would say be, I would be cautious about it. Uh, it is very, it's very well documented that people have demonic experiences, taking psychedelics, taking different uh, drugs. That's the, that's the double-edged sword of pharmacia, right? You, the use of uh, drugs and preparations like that is it, it can open the doorway to conversations and experiences with God. It can also open the doorway to conversations and experiences with demons. And some people are very, have poor discernment about which spirits they're having an, ex, an experience with. <clears throat> In Africa, um, witchcraft is pretty, pretty popular and a lot of uh, witch doctors use these preparations to have conversations with evil spirits. So, so there, there are some concerns. I'm not going to say you should never do it. I'm going to say that, uh, be very careful doing it. Make sure that you're, um, <clears throat> contacting the right spirit. You want to contact the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, not demons. All right. Uh, let's see. Beverly Lafleur, you have your hand up. Beverly, what is on your mind? Hey, Dave. What's it wasn't showing up. <laughs> I just kept saying my hand. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, I heard you mention DMSO. So yes. I have, you know, three kinds of arthritis and psoriasis. Do you think that'd be good for it? Absolutely. How do I use uh, it? Yeah. So you got to be a little bit careful with DMSO because it is a, it's a solvent. Uh, yes. DMSO is actually, it's a byproduct of paper production. When they process trees into paper, DMSO is a byproduct of it. And it is a well-known, well-documented, uh, very powerful anti-inflammatory. It's used by athletes. It's used in veterinary medicine. A lot of um, racehorse trainers use, have been using DMSO for a long time. It's a very powerful anti-inflammatory. Works good for conditions like arthritis, tendonitis, uh, any kind of joint pain, muscle pain, you know, tendon pain, it's really good for that. You can get it. Uh, you can get it a lot of different places. Uh, Denise and I get ours on Amazon. Uh, you can get it diluted. You can get it full strength. The full strength stuff. Uh, I'm not going to say I've never used the full strength. I have. I've also developed a little bit of a skin irritation because I've been using it full strength. Um, the, the danger with using DMSO full strength is um, it's, um, it causes a lot of itching. It causes skin irritation. It can cause a rash and hives. It's probably, it's definitely safer to use it diluted. You can dilute it with water. You can buy it pre-diluted. You can buy these little roller, little roller ball gel things that you can just roll on your shoulder if you're having shoulder pain or whatever. 
Uh, those little rollerball things work great. I've used those a lot for knee pain, elbow pain. Um, it's it's good stuff. I really like it. Um, I, give it a try. Just you know, be careful. And and I would say one other caveat: because DMSO is a solvent, it's it's, a, it's actually a carrier as well. So if you put it on your skin and you happen to have a bunch of adhesive from a Band-Aid or makeup on your skin and you put your DMSO on there, it's going to carry that stuff into your bloodstream. So you want to make sure yeah. your skin you want to make sure your skin is clean before you put any DMSO on an affected area. Make sure the skin is clean. Again, Denise is always wanting me to be give people a lot of precautions about using DMSO. Make sure your skin is clean. Probably best safest to use it diluted first and see what kind of reaction you're going to have. It's going to itch for a while. Your skin will itch for like five or ten minutes and then it'll go away. But uh, it's, a really, it's a really powerful anti-inflammatory. I really like it a lot. Well, with psoriasis, of course, I already itch. And yeah. I already have some. It's 99.9% .9 pure. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I don't have not used it for psoriasis. I have used it for you know a lot of joint pain and muscle pain, and it yeah. works great. So well, I'm in constant pain. I mean, that's another yeah. thing I was calling you about to see if you could maybe pray for me because I got I to go back to work. I'm a thousand dollars in the hole, and I got to go to work. So I yeah, need I'll... this pain under control so I can work, and I need uh, motivation and energy and all of okay. that because i've been down since last august and it's just you know i'm just falling apart i'm just becoming so weak and the pain is constant and of course it's autoimmune i have 50 million autoimmune diseases have you gone through emotional healing yes i've done all your stuff i've got all your books okay. except for games right. of shiloh i don't have that yet oh uh, you should get that <laughs> well all it's right, not I'm gonna pray for you. <laughs> Yes, well, don't hold your breath. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you. All right, Lord, bring your healing presence upon Beverly and anyone else who is listening to this broadcast. I command pain, inflammation to be gone. I command evil spirits to leave, go to the feet of Jesus. Do not return. I release the healing power of heaven. Joint pain be gone, muscle pain be gone, tendons be healed, pain and inflammation get out. All right. Uh, oh, Viking lady. All right, Viking lady, uh, you can unmute yourself. What's on your mind? Viking lady, if you can hear me. Fourth of nine. Uh, can you unmute yourself? There we go. Hit the right button. Right. It helps. Yep. Um, she was just talking about DMSO. Back in the whew, 80s and maybe 90s, my husband and I both used DMSO, like on our knees and whatever, but it had this taste in my mouth that was garlic. absolutely horrible. <laughs> yes. I mean, it was worse than garlic. I'm sorry. That was not garlic it's worse than garlic garlic actually tastes good if it's roasted but dmso yeah it's not a good taste okay but yeah. okay i was wondering because yeah, that wasn't something you mentioned in the t in as a side effect that people might well, i be can't aware mention of. All of it. yeah it, it's I, I don't have that problem when i use dmso wow, i never get wow. that 
that weird taste in my mouth, but some people Bless do. Bless your heart. I know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was my biggest complaint about DMSO is like, okay, I can't deal with this. <laughs> my mouth tastes like a garbage can. What is wrong with this stuff? Exactly. It was really gross. Like, yeah. any, you know, because some other way to um, put um, cartilage back in hip joints and, and stuff to, you know, stay away from surgery. And because well, they, kept telling me that surgery, they kept telling me that the surgery was all about being to alleviate pain. I am technically not in pain. I just have trouble walking. Okay. Well, I don't, uh, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. Believe it or not. So I'm, I don't I'm, know of another way to fix that, but I do know that the Holy Spirit can fix stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I've been, I listened to your, your videos going to sleep at night intermittently with uh, Bible.is. Um, just listen, listen to scripture all okay. night. <laughs> that's a plan. You. <laughs> that is a plan. But that's, uh, I mean, that's the best I can do as far as, you know, I, I tell people I can, I can treat symptoms, but God has to do the healing. Yes, he does. All right. Okay. You're correct. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a great. You oh. too. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Josh, you have your hand up. Josh, if you can unmute yourself and bring that guitar with you, you can, uh, what's on your mind? Hey, Dave, how you doing? Doing good, Josh. Hey, so uh, really appreciating the dream uh, chat you got going on there. I think you've seen a few of my postings in there. Um, yep. Appreciating the community and the mentorship there. Uh, question that I have um, that I know a few others are posting. Those of us who are constant dreamers but are uh, new to the interpretation side of things is what are your tips for paring down our recordings? So in my case, I think like many people, I'm trying to capture every detail that I get in a dream because I know what's important. Um, yours come across very expertly as like a two-line Here's the deal. Here's what I believe it's saying. How do we get from it? It takes time, but just some general tips on starting to parse things down to their more important or how to tell what's yeah. important. It's not. That's all. Awesome. Really good question. Stay on the line because we might have a discussion about that. Yeah. Um, when I first started having dreams in 2008, I tried to capture every detail. Like a lot of people do, you see in the dream chat, especially Charles. Charles will actually write out his dreams as if he's writing like a screenplay with scene by scene by scene with numbers on them, which is fine. That's a good way to do it. If you want to capture all the details, that's great. If you have the ability to do that, I'm going to be quite honest. I don't have the ability to do that. Um, number one, I don't have a lot of those really detailed dreams like, like some people do um, where there's multiple scenes running into multiple people. Charles is really big on noticing colors and tone and he, he gets all those nuances in there, which I think is fabulous. I can't do that. When I wake up from a dream, I, I have kind of trained myself to summarize the dream in, in just a few sentences. Now, like I said, I used to have um, dreams years ago when I first started having them back in 2008, 2009. 
I would have very detailed storybook dreams with lots of characters, lots of action, different settings, places, rooms, you know, all these details. And I would capture as much of that as, that as I could. But recently, last, you know, five years since I started reporting on Q, especially, a lot of my dreams are more summaries than anything else. Like I just see, get a brief glimpse. Like last night, I had this dream where I saw these um, first responders and I saw that their task was to help people who were in, in a crisis, right? That's what first responders do. So I just saw a brief scene of first responders and I just knew, I had this knowing like we do in dreams, I knew that their job was to help people in crisis. That was the first scene. And I didn't see a lot of action. I didn't see faces. I didn't see uniforms and stations and ambulances and fire trucks and all that stuff. I just got a brief glimpse of a scene of first responders helping people in a crisis. And then the next scene, just a quick transition, I saw that, that these first responders were now suddenly perplexed because they were in a crisis they didn't anticipate and they needed help. They needed rescue and they didn't know what to do, right? So you saw my post this morning probably, I just summarized the dream. I saw you know, people who were tasked with helping people in a crisis, then they ended up in a, in a situation themselves where they needed to be rescued. Um, how I developed that habit of summarizing dreams is my, my, my dream recall isn't all that great. One of the guys who, who does regular dreams in the chat, he, like Charles, he has really good recall. He'll have like seven or eight dreams in a night and recall all the details of every dream. <laughs> and I think, how can you recall that many dreams with that much detail? Like, I'm just blown away, right? So uh, I'm lucky to have one dream a night, and I'm lucky if I can record most of the details. But the thing is, I'm not trying at this point in my life, I'm not trying to capture every nuance, every detail of the dream, because what I want to know is I want to know what is God saying? What's the interpretation? What's the application? So what I have kind of trained myself to do is when I wake up from a dream, I'm laying there in bed and I'm thinking about the dream, the scenes, the, uh, the action, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit, what are you saying in this dream? And sometimes I'll actually write down the interpretation rather than rather than the dream itself, right? So a, a lot of times my the way I record a dream is is actually more of an interpretation of the dream than the actual content of the dream. It's a summary. Sometimes it's just a summary of the events, rough sketch of what what I saw, what what I heard, what happened. Occasionally, I'll actually put the interpretation into what I write down uh, because for me, practically, I want to know what is God saying to this dream? What does it mean? What's the application? What am I supposed to do with this? I mean, does that make sense? It does. It does. I mean, I'm not there yet. Um, there are a few times where I've woken up and later that day, uh, I've gotten interpretation uh, from the Lord. Um, there was one uh, big multi-part uh, dream that I posted. I adopted Charles's method. He shared that with me like a few weeks back, and I really yep. liked that uh, like scripting yep. method there. Yep. Um, and there was one where like there was like two scenes that I could understand, but there was out, like out of five, and the other three 
um, between Heather, uh, Jen of Arc, uh, Charles, those are the three I tend to name. Um, they kind of jumped in and were able to fill in some of the gaps. But from what it sounds like, um, I will continue to try to document as best I can. I think my issue is that sometimes when I wake up, I have uh, sleep issues and when I'm uh, still dealing with uh, some combat stress from about 10 years ago. Um, I find that I don't necessarily have the time or the wherewithal in the morning, uh, even though I have my little laptop I bought specifically for dream recording and wake up. Just, it just has dreams and prophecies. That's all it has on this computer. Um, yeah. I guess I just have to get more diligent and just try to record them as quickly as possible. But it's daunting because yeah. when I'm having, I have at least three, four, five dreams a night my entire life. Um, sometimes those are multi-scene. Um, and I guess a follow-up question that might, it's tied into this, would be, like, how are you best at discerning um, spirit versus soul dreams? I, I believe you said, whether I've heard it on your live streams or read it in your books, uh, that you believe that most, probably the majority of dreams are spirit. If I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I think that no, I've that's, heard that's true. That. That's what I've said. Yep. All right. So I just don't know. I mean, there's some of mine that I know clearly just like a TV show I watched and whatnot, which is causing me to cut out all not all, but a lot of media uh, because I want to make sure my eye gates aren't taking in just junk or stuff that doesn't need to be there that, that can interfere. Even if it's not a moral issue, it's still an interference. Yep. So just curious what your, um, how, how you best discern between spirit and soul dreams, just a summary. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's a really good question. Um, generally speaking, soul dreams uh, are like a poorly told story that doesn't have a point. <laughs> or a bad joke that isn't funny. Like <clears throat> so, some people just have this ability to tell a really pointless story or a really bad joke. No one laughs and no one really understands what the point of the story is. That's how soul dreams are. Soul dreams really don't say anything significant or relevant um, in them. They're just sort of pointless scenes that are, are sort of randomly put together usually. Um, they, they don't, uh, they don't just don't have that spark of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, over the years, I have had some dreams that I attributed to being soul dreams because I thought, that's, I just don't understand the, the meaning of that dream. It doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't seem to have any relevance. And I think about the dream, and then three or four days later, boom, the Holy Spirit gives me the interpretation. And I realize, oh, <laughs> that wasn't a soul dream. It was actually from God. And it was a very profound dream. Some profound, very profound dreams actually appear to be soul dreams. So that's why I'm a little bit, um, I'm cautious in attributing any dream to be a soul dream until you've had some time to pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit, is this a dream from you? What does it mean? What am I missing? Because especially when you're new to dream interpretation, it's very easy to miss the meaning of a very profound dream that looks like a fairly pointless, benign, you know, just you know, my mind was wandering and I was watching TV. Like, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, <clears throat> I, I would I would not write off the dreams that you have that are connected to things that you hear, podcasts, videos, movies, TV, things of that nature. It is, it's very tempting, especially in uh, the secular culture, for people to say, oh, you're watching, you know, these, these TV shows, and that's why you're dreaming about the subject. Okay, maybe, but God will often give me dreams 
related to podcasts that I've listened to, related to news articles that I've uh, that I've read. Uh, just because you read something or took in some information in, in, on a certain day and you had a dream related to that that night, that doesn't mean that it's just a soul dream. God often talks to us about the issues that we're concerned with, that we're interested in, that we're we're thinking about. God will give you further revelation. Like I listened to Chris Paul, his podcast, uh, Let's Be Reasonable. I think he's a really good commentator. He understands current events really well. And after I started listening to him regularly, God gave me a dream one night about his, it was one of the very first nights that I was listening to Chris Paul. Um, God gave me a dream about his podcast and showed me that Chris has some very important insights, important revelation, important perspective that people need to know about. Also showed me that Chris has a bias uh, on certain issues, but the, the thing in the dream was God was saying, listen to this podcast. It's good information. Just realize like everyone else, Chris has a bias and you need to account for that when you're listening to what he's saying. So um, those are my thoughts <laughs> on, on dreams related to things that we you know, take in during the day. All right. Shield Maiden. Shield Maiden, if you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Hi there. Hey there, what's going on? Well, I I suffer from really bad arthritis in my right hip. Um, and I actually had, uh, you know who Amanda Grace is, right? I do. Yes. So she prayed for me at one of the Reawaken America um, tours that I went to and she, she had her hands on me and she said, well, the Lord is going to heal you, but it's going to be a process. And what I kind of got out of that was no surgery. And I continue to get worse <laughs> and I continue to pray. And, um, I'm just going to ask you to pray for me, please. Okay, I have, I'll pray for you. Yeah, I, it's really bad on the right side and the lumbar as well as the left side, but I don't feel any pain on the left side. Okay. Uh, I will pray for you. All right, Lord, bring your healing presence upon this woman. I command her hips to be healed, nerves healed, spine healed. I command bones, discs, ligaments, nerves, tendons, cartilage healed. I command pain and inflammation to get out. I command evil spirits to get out and go to the feet of Jesus. All right, Lynn B., you have your hand up. Lynn B., uh, if you can unmute yourself. Lynn? Hey, Dave. Good to see you're still kicking there, buddy. I am still kicking. <laughs> hey, listen, I've got, first of all, I only had one question until you keep saying this. You, uh, when you pray, you uh, kick the demons out and you, you say, go to the feet of Jesus. You're the only person I've ever heard say that. And oh, I'm just I know wondering a lot of where that came that. from. <clears throat> well, they probably I made it from up. you. I, 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 I didn't make it. I learned it from other people. That you can, when you kick out demons, you can do whatever you want. You can tell them to go to oh, the sea. That. You can go to the pit and you know put yourself in chains and stay there for a thousand years. Go to the feet of Jesus. It, Okay. Like there isn't there isn't like a formula like there's only one way that you can get rid of demons. 
Um, Steve yeah. Herman has some very interesting things he does when he gets rid of demons. Yeah, I usually send them to the I usually send them to the pit of hell for all eternity. So that's yeah, Steve will actually that. torment them for a while himself before he gets disposes of them. That's um, okay. So here's my real question. So right. um, I'm a best-selling author. I only have one book, but it it took us about five months to write it, and they were completely impressed that we did it in five months. And so I, what I want to know is it seems like you're putting these books out faster than chickens lay eggs. You know, you just pop them out, man. So how long does it take you from the start to the finish, and what is your schedule or process that you can get these books out so fast. It's just amazing to me because it was brutal for me. And brutal. <laughs> oh my I gosh. Lynn asked about a subject I love to talk about. I actually um, like to talk about the writing process. Uh, so. Uh, and it, it, me, too. it doesn't seem brutal for you, but it was so brutal for me. No, it is. It is. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll explain the workflow. I'll, I'll do that. All right. So. Um, depending on the kind of book that I'm writing, uh, it'll take me anywhere from three or four weeks to three months to write a book, uh, sometimes longer. So the book, The Gates of Shiloh, was kind of a, a little bit of an anomaly because it's the first novel that I wrote. And um, I had started writing the chapters of that book back in 2013, 2014-ish, maybe maybe earlier. Um, I, I started writing those chapters on Facebook. And I, I, start, I wrote those chapters, early chapters, as a way to illustrate principles that Steve Harmon was trying to teach people on Facebook about deliverance, emotional healing, things of that nature. People were not, people were aghast, shocked, 10 years ago with the stuff Steve Harmon was teaching. And I thought, you know, we need a little fictional story to illustrate the realities of the demonic world and emotional healing and trauma and all that. So I started writing The Gates of Shiloh as a chapter of installments of a little short uh, 500 word, maybe 1000 word essays 10 years ago. And I kind of put that on the back burner for a while. And then in 2019, 2018, I think, uh, I got a hold of a, a gal who's a literary nerd uh, named Amy. And she worked with me as my editor and helped me shape those sh first short stories into an actual novel. And, and we published it in 2019. So <laughs> that book took like you know, six or seven years to publish. Although the actual work on that book is like probably a year or two, you know, if you just can compress it all together. Most of the books that I write, um, I write in about two months is kind of an average time to write a manuscript for that's 40. My, my manuscripts tend to average about 40,000 words, 45,000 words. Um, some are longer. Um, Traveling in the Spirit was more like a 76,000 word manuscript. Divine Healing was about 71,000 words. Um, so 280 pages <clears throat> and uh, Divine Healing was an interesting book to write because uh, I had written the first 18 or 19 chapters as articles that I published as actually notes on Facebook years ago when I was on Facebook and you could write these articles and they were called notes 
I was writing all these articles about healing, deliverance, God's glory, um, you know, all these different subjects. And Denise said, hey, you're doing all this writing. Why don't you uh, like take those articles and turn them into a book? And I was like, I don't want to do that. And she said, no, you should really think about doing that. <laughs> so, so I took the articles and I um, flowed them in to a document. We created it as you know, chapter outlines and then just uh, put in some more information, added some chapters, other information, edited it into a book. That was my first book. And um, that's one way to write books. Um, if you are a person who writes articles, I'm just going to give you some of my secret sauce here. If you're a person who writes articles and um, you write articles on a particular subject and you publish these articles on a website, on a blog, on Substack, and you publish eight or nine or 12 or 15 articles on the same subject, you have written the foundational chapters of a book. There's no reason you couldn't just take those articles, format them into a book and publish it. Do some editing, add some content, you know, spruce it up, make it the best that you can, and then you can publish it. Well, a lot of people have a lot of very good content out there. and They never thought about writing a book about it. So what I do, like this uh, book I'm working on right now, uh, let's see, which one do I want to pick on? All right, Power and Authority. So what's the, how did I write Power and Authority? Power and Authority is coming out pretty soon. And it is going to be a typical, you know, 40,000 ish word book, probably end up around 160, 170 pages. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I do not spend a lot of time. I don't spend any time watching TV. All right. I don't have a, I have no subscription to any streaming service. I don't have a TV in my house. I don't do video gaming. Uh, I don't do a lot of the things that a lot of people do. <laughs> My friend Dan Meyer, bless his heart, uh, the sword swallower Dan Meyer came over to my house a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, you know, I was on, uh, I don't know if it was uh, Sweden's Got Talent, and people want to see the, you know, the episode. He does his sword, sword swallowing shtick. And he said, uh, do you have an HDMI cable? I could put it on your TV and people can see it. And I was like, Dan, I don't have a TV. And he looks at me like, Oh, <laughs> so I, the issue that a lot of people have with writing books is they spend their time doing other things. They spend their time on social media. They spend their time watching TV, movies, videos, they're on YouTube all day long. They're on Rumble. They're listening to podcasts. They're doing all this other stuff and they're not doing, they're not writing. Right. And a lot of people I think are, have, uh, who have a potential to write a lot of books, don't write the books because they don't uh, put in the time doing to actually writing. So my son had a dream years ago. Uh, it might have been before I wrote my first book <laughs> while I was writing it. He had this dream that uh, <coughs> he, uh, that I, <coughs> sorry, he had this dream that I came to him one day and I said, hey, Danny, uh, come, come in my bedroom and check something out. So he follows me in the bedroom, and I pull out this book, and it's like a 1,000 pages, and I show it to him. And he goes, what's this? And I said, it's my first book. And he said, when did you have time to write it? And I said, I got off social media. 
that he had that dream. He told me, I had this dream where you showed me your first book. It was a thousand pages and you wrote it because you got off Facebook. That was my first clue that my time on social media was cutting into my, my writing time. And I was never going to publish a book until I got off social media. So back in 2013, 2014, I started a regular practice of shutting down my social media activity two or three times a year so I could write. I just, I don't engage. I don't answer emails. I don't, well, I, I do answer emails, but I, I try to limit it. If I'm on, if I'm trying to get focused on writing a book, I will set aside two weeks at a time where I'll just, just do writing editing. That's all I do. I wake up in the morning, uh, up until about two weeks ago, I would have a cup of coffee. I don't have coffee anymore. Uh, get up in the morning, boom, I'm on the computer and I'm writing and I'm writing and I'm writing and I'm editing and writing and just keep going until I run out of steam, until I run out of think, you know, ideas for that particular topic. And what I've been doing lately is I'll switch to another book. So I'm, I'm currently in the process of working on four books, Power and Authority. There's a book on emotional healing and deliverance, a full length book that I'm working on. It's about half finished. There's a science fiction novel that I'm working on. And there's a book, there's the, the third Q book is coming out. I'm working on those four books simultaneously for the last you know, two months. That's what I've been doing. I'm very disciplined. I get up in the morning and I spend, when I'm in writing mode, I write eight hours a day, nine hours a day, writing and editing, researching. The Q book uh, requires quite a bit of research. The science fiction novel, a lot of research. When I'm not in a mood or when I don't have information that I can write in the book, in the manuscript, I'm researching. So I'm researching for the science fiction book. I'm researching planetary systems. Uh, what's going on with, um, you know, space technology? What's going on with different things, discoveries? I'm, I'm researching to create a, a good story that is believable for my audience. And I will go back and forth on different books for, at different times. Um, you know, part of, I, I divide my time up. Some of my time is divided up uh, getting prepared for the zombie apocalypse. So I'm doing ham radio stuff, um, learning about ways, alternate ways of communication. And then I'll, I'll go back, I'll do that for a time. And then I'll go back to writing and editing. And I just, it, it's, I, I love doing it. Like if, if you love writing, <laughs> being an author is the greatest thing in the world. It really is. It's, it's a joy. I just love to write. I love to tell stories, connect dots, um, put things together in a way that I hope people will help people understand complex ideas. So uh, that's the long answer to the question. That's my workflow for writing. And, and you know, if you have a, a decent ability to write and the interest, you just need to discipline yourself and sit down and start writing and editing. And um, write articles, put them out on a blog or on Substack, grow an audience, Take feedback from the audience, hone your writing skill, take the feedback, let it change your writing, become better, read a lot. <clears throat> Everyone I know who's a good writer is also is an avid reader. Read people who are accomplished writers and emulate them. Don't rip off their stuff, emulate them. 
imitate their the things that they do right, their style, different things, nuances that they have in their writing. Incorporate that into your own writing. That's how you become a better writer. All right, eh? <laughs> Yay, I got to have a rant about writing finally. Uh, Q hat. Oh my gosh. There you are. Q hat. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, buddy. Uh, quick question for you about multiplication miracles. Um, okay. Is that a power thing, authority thing, or is that just asking God and believing? I don't know. <laughs> That's a really good question. Uh, in the book on power and authority, I'm actually writing about that very subject. And if you look through the Gospels, and, and, and if you look back through uh, some of the Old Testament accounts, um, you know, like when the loaves of bread and fish were multiplied, it's not like it was clear that Jesus or the disciples exercised authority and made a decree or a command to make the food multiply. It didn't work that way. And it's not like Jesus touched, although he did touch the food, he broke it, but it didn't multiply when he broke it. It multiplied when they gave it out. It's really hard to know if the food multiplication issue or multiplication of anything is a power or authority thing. I think it is, I think it's faith that God is going to meet your needs because the people that I know who've had those testimonies, like that one woman, she posted a testimony where her um, flooring planks multiplied. <laughs> she was doing a flooring job. They were putting in wood plank flooring and she ran out. They didn't have enough. And she was like, it's going to take three weeks to order more. The contractor told her, look, you, you didn't, you didn't, get enough. You didn't order enough. We're going to have to order more. She's like, oh, this is great. This is going to take three weeks to get it. They came back the next day and the planks had multiplied and she had more than enough and left over. Right. And she just, she said, I just believed that God was going to do a miracle and boom, my flooring planks multiplied. I think it's an issue of faith where we just trust that God is going to meet our needs. And he does. Right on, right on. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been trying it with uh, the gas in my gas tank for the past six or seven months. Hasn't quite worked there yet. So I was like, well, maybe I'm missing something. I I'll see if I can get some more info. But I'll just keep believing God, brother. Keep, I appreciate keep that. believing, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Who would like to be next? Eden, you have your hand up. If you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Hey, Dave. How are you? Doing good. Good. Um, I have a question. Um, I quit my job six, eight months ago just because I was in so much pain. I've done repetitive work, um, prayed about it a lot before I did that, made sure that that's what God wanted me to do. And so I've just been healing, but it's like my legs are getting worse. I started uh, a couple months ago, going to the gym, working out my legs on a pressing machine and going on a treadmill every few days, and it's getting worse. And I'm like, wow, what in the world is going on? And um, I've been having people pray for me, and I have a lot of, of people in my life that pray with authority. They don't say, you know, hey, God, you know, Jesus, please heal her. They're like, no, you're healed, um, you know, with the authority. That, that we have, that Jesus gave us, um, feeling a little bit of pressure because 
I'm actually supposed to go to Israel the 27th this month. And I have the enemy saying things like, you know, I, I can't really walk more than a half hour, 45 minutes without being in tremendous pain. My back, my feet, my legs all hurt. And I, you know, hear the enemy say, well, you know, you're not going to be able to walk. You're going to have to try to get back to the bus or you're going to sit most of the time in the hotel. And I'm like, no, I am not. I am healed in Jesus' name, and I will not hold everybody up, and I will be able to walk in with everybody else without pain. I will have an amazing time at Israel. Okay. Um, so do you have, so do you have I, a question? Well, my, my question is, am, am I doing something wrong? Am, is, is there something that I could be doing differently? To be seeing the manifestation of the healing? Yeah, I, I don't know because I don't know everything you're doing. Have you done emotional healing? Um, I have done some. Actually, I need to look around. I do have I do have your book on that. Okay, that would be the first place that I would recommend you start. Um, a okay. lot of a lot of people who have symptoms of chronic pain, pain and inflammation, autoimmune issues. A lot of that is tied to emotional trauma. I would, I would be surprised if you did if you went through some emotional healing, uh, if some of your pain symptoms did not subside. That that's that would be my first recommendation, and then okay. ask the Holy Spirit for any any other steps that you need to take. Okay, yeah, I do. Um, I do have I do have your book. It's isn't it called like one two three? It's uh, emotional healing in three easy steps. There you go. Thank you. Yep. I would do that. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Dave, are you there? Jury. Yes, I'm here. What's up? Hey, Dave, thank you very much. I really appreciate everything that you do. My question has to do with my memory issues. So um, basically, I can remember in detail dreams, prophetic words, news. But when it comes to family things like my wife, what my daughter is telling me, uh, I actually don't remember as well. And I don't know if the issue is uh, like I need emotional healing or something like that. Um, I don't know how to approach it. Um, That's interesting. So you have good memory and recall of some things, but not others. Yes. And it's specifically in with what important things that my wife or my family tells me. So her greatest need is to be heard and so yep. when i am not remembering those important things she feels uh you know rejected or not heard and i'm not yep. doing this willfully i'm not trying to purposely say i don't remember uh and so my family was thinking i should get maybe the a, a treatment called splunkna which is more of an inner healing kind of approach yeah I, i've heard I, of it what do you think yeah, I think that the symptoms that you're exhibiting are definitely demonic. If if there is a particular issue, a particular person where your memory is, you're having problems with memory, I, that sounds to me like it's a demonic agenda. I think emotional healing and deliverance would probably help a lot. I would be surprised if your symptoms don't resolve completely through emotional healing and deliverance. Wow. Okay. So can I do self-deliverance? How does that work? Absolutely. Absolutely. So 
they have this process of emotional healing. It's emotional healing in three easy steps. And the, the, what you do is you, um, you recall an event that is painful or that causes some kind of negative emotion when you think of it. As you recall the event, you identify the emotion that you feel. That's the first step. You ask Jesus to take that emotion from you, and then you ask him to heal the wound in your soul. And then you recall that event again, see what emotion you feel. If you feel a different emotion, ask Jesus to take the emotion, heal the wound in your soul, and you continue with that process until you can think of that event and there's no more negative emotions that you feel. Then you move on to another event that when you recall it, it elicits a painful emotion. Same process, identify the emotion or emotions, uh, ask Jesus to take them and ask him to heal the wound in your soul. When you do that, what you'll do is you're going to uh, heal the emotional wounds in your soul that demons use as an access point to mess with you. <laughs> and a lot of people, just by going through the emotional healing process, the demons will leave. They'll feel like you know, a spirit lift off of them as they're going through the emotional healing. If you don't, uh, the other option is, you know, if, if the demons don't self-deport, you can just command them to leave. By the authority vested in me by Jesus, I command you to leave. Get out. Uh, spirit, Whatever evil spirit is causing my memory to be uh, uh, affected, I command it to go. In fact, I'm going to tell, do that right now. Uh, spirits, evil spirits and demons that are causing jury's memory to be affected, I command you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. Do not return to him. I command you to get out right now. All right. So, jury, what I would do is um, go through the emotional healing process. It'll probably help with any other issues that you have. Emotional healing is, is very powerful. Thank you. So um, I got your book about that, and I'm familiar with the steps that you just laid out. But okay. I'm not, not so clear about the demonic part. I mean, I understand that you can have trauma from childhood or events and things like that where you're, you're traumatized. But you're thinking the memory issue because it's specific with people or my yep. wife or family that it's demonic. Um, yep. That's new to me. I have never heard of this issue being a, a demonic thing. So is there a difference between simple emotional healing versus demonic uh, influence? Uh, they're linked together. Um, a lot of people are uh, afflicted with various health conditions by evil spirits because they have unhealed emotional trauma. And many times, healing the emotional trauma leads to the evil spirits being removed and then the affliction being removed. So it's all tied together. Okay. Dave, thank you very much. Absolutely. Uh, Diane, if you can unmute yourself. Uh, what's on your mind, Diane? Hi. First, I just wanted to say I'm really happy that you're healed from your heart issues. I think we were all praying for you here. Um, I appreciate your prayers. You're welcome. Um, second, so I'm a nurse practitioner, and in the beginning of this pandemic, I believed our health agencies and where I was working, I got one Moderna shot, I got injured, I'm still recovering, but I'm functional on meds. Um, 
the problem for me has been I had to leave the practice where I was working and it's been really difficult to find a job in this climate because of the federal mandate. Um, yep. And I've had interviews, um, I, a lot of different things, Steve, but nothing is showing up. And through prayer and petition, I've been asking the Lord to help me. And so my question really is, Am I supposed to go in a different direction altogether? Like I've been in healthcare for 30 years. I'm good at what I do. I love taking care of patients. And so I just want to work at a practice where I'm aligned with, you know, we have the same values. I can make a decent living and make a difference for patients, like for the good of all of us, right? <laughs> That's, yep. yeah. Have you been to the Frontline Doctors website? I have. I okay, been. I think they've got some resources on there where healthcare providers are teaming together, and they're they they may even have a a, a section where they're talking. They, they uh, I guess um, find jobs or they locate healthcare uh, facilities and providers that are looking for staff who are not on board with. The um, you know the the, the pandemic uh, narrative, so that's that's one option. Uh, the other option is maybe God is calling you to something else. I was in medicine for 35 years, and then I became a writer, uh, and I really enjoy it. As as much as I thought I was destined to be a paramedic the rest of my life, um, God had a better plan. <laughs> so I would I would be open to that, and I would definitely ask the Lord, hey. If you have another plan for me, please show me what that is, and, and I'll, you know, do my best to follow it. Yeah, I have asked that. I'm just waiting for the answer, but I need to be working soon. Like that's where I'm at at this point. Um, yeah. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. If you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Hello. Hey, Jen. I'm in healthcare. So back in 2018, I hurt my, both my arms and my elbows and my wrists, and I refused to get vaccinated. So I found a place, but the work is getting too hard on my shoulders, my elbows, and my wrists. And I keep praying, but I was able to get my thyroid healed, but I wasn't able to get my sh arms repaired. Yet. Yet. <laughs> <clears throat> so what's your question? I can Do you have a question? Away, okay. And then it comes back and I'm like, I don't okay. know, am I not using enough power and authority or what? Nope. <clears throat> nope. If you can get the pain to go away and it comes back, it's a demon. Uh, that's just classic. If the pain leaves and returns, you've got a demon that is harassing you. Believe it or not, you probably don't even have a physiological injury. You've just got an evil spirit that is afflicting you with pain. And the best way to deal with that is emotional healing. Go through emotional healing, identify the issues, ask the Holy Spirit what issues from your past have not been healed. Go through the emotional healing process and then uh, kick the spirit of pain out and you'll probably be surprised at the results. 
Yeah, it, it's kicking my butt. I I can imagine. Yeah. I worked three days in a row and I was out for like a week. And then I worked four days and I was out for three days. And then I got injured again and I was out for a year and a half. Yep. Uh, yeah, well, any, any symptoms of sickness and pain that responds to prayer and then returns is a spirit of pain or sickness until proven otherwise. So I would definitely recommend emotional healing and some deliverance, and that should take care of it. All right. So I just got to keep pressing in more. Yep. All right. Thank you, Dave. Uh, you bet. Thank you. All right. You know what? I'm going to say one thing. All right. Um, I, I seriously think communications is going to be a big issue in the coming days. I think we're going to have communications problems. I'm starting to have more dreams about ham radio and other alternate communications. Uh, if you're not interested, can't do the ham radio thing, can't get the license, there are other options. You might want to consider looking into General Mobile Radio Service, GMRS. In the States, um, GMRS is an alternate to ham radio. It does require a $35 license, but there's no test. So you pay the FCC uh, $35, you get a license, uh, you get a call sign. And that license actually covers everybody in your family. You can buy GMRS radios, they're fairly inexpensive. Um, as an alternate means of communication. Uh, I'm looking into something that is uh, completely different called Mesh Networks. There is a company that has a mobile app called Meshtastic. And Meshtastic is a mobile app. You can load it onto your phone and it connects to a little tiny device that is a printed circuit board with some components soldered onto it. And it's a radio transmitter that transmits on the 915 megahertz frequency. It is unregulated by the FCC. You don't have to have a license to operate on it. And your messages can be encrypted, unlike ham radio. You cannot send encrypted messages on ham radio, but on, this, on these devices, which the device is usually called a T-beam, um, it uses a mesh networking thing. It's called LORA, L-O-R-A, which is an acronym for long range. These little devices are cheap. <clears throat> you can get them on Amazon for 30 bucks. Um, they, like I said, you pair it with Bluetooth to your phone. You hook it up to the app, Meshtastic. You can send text messages to other people who have these little devices. You carry the device with you. It's got an antenna and it connects to your phone. And <clears throat> you can send text messages completely free of the internet and cell service. You don't need a cell service. You don't need internet. If you're within radio range of someone who has one of these little mesh node devices, you can text each other. You create your own uh, network and you can invite people in your family or friends to be on your network. And you can have your own little text messaging service that is fairly inexpensive, not regulated, no license required, and the range on these things, from what people that I've talked to, I haven't tried it out yet. They say that um, on the long end, if you have the ideal situation, if you have one of these uh, radio devices up high, like on the roof of your house, 
as a relay device, you can, you know, expect uh, between five and 10 miles coverage. Some people have uh, had 30 miles of coverage. I think the longest uh, message has been sent over 60 miles. Uh, but it all depends on your setup. Mesh networking, mesh-tastic. Uh, the, the, the devices are called T-beams. You can get them on eBay pretty cheap. Uh, they take a 18650 battery that's kind of typically used with tactical flashlights. Um, they run for a long time. You can run these things for like, you know, four or five days up to a week if you're not using them a lot on a single battery charge. Uh, completely self-contained off-grid comms if, and, like I said, not licensed. I don't want to be the guy that said I told you so. So start looking into alternate means of communication. We're going to need them in the future. That is going to bring us to the end of this Supernatural Saturday. We've been on the air for two hours now. Uh, great questions. I, I, I love <laughs> hanging out with my people and talking and uh, discussing things, getting perspective, and providing whatever, whatever information I can. I hope you have all found this uh, broadcast enjoyable and entertaining and enlightening. We do these broadcasts on my Telegram channel, second Saturday of every month at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the replay will be available on Rumble later today. It'll be on my website, prayingmedic.com, and the website, prayingmedic.org, later on this afternoon. For those of you uh, on Telegram, I will get the replay available on the Telegram channel this afternoon, and it'll go out on the podcast as well. Um, if you want to support us financially, our ministry, you can go to our Give, Send, Go page. It's givesendgo.com forward slash PM. We receive donations there. They are tax deductible. That's all I have for this Saturday. Thank you for joining me on the broadcast. Love you all. Take care. I will catch you next month. Yesterday you